Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. You can also take the HR Like a Boss survey at willery.com forward slash HRLAB. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. I'm joined on today's show by a good friend of mine, Randy Samsel. Randy is a talent strategist with extensive experience in executive search and talent development and is a lifelong Northeast Ohioan. Welcome to the show, Randy. All right. Hey, this is John Bernadovich. I continue my journey of writing my book, HR Like a Boss, and I'm super excited to be joined by a friend, Randy Samsel, CEO and founder of eSearch Talent Solutions, and uh, a man of many other talents that uh, I'll give him a second to uh, share here in a minute, but I'm reaching out to uh, different individuals in collecting information on the concept of HR Like a Boss, what it takes to be awesome, successful and people that get it within the field of human resources and I describe uh, doing HR like a boss as a as a business person that just so happens to practice in the field of human resources so speaking of one of those professionals I'm joined today by Randy Samsel Randy it's good to see you good to see you John thanks for having me you got it so Randy tell me a little bit about yourself I know there's probably a couple nuggets I don't know even though I've known you for 10 to 15 years, and uh, I'm sure others uh, on our video chat that are watching would love to know a little bit about your background. Thanks, John. Happy to do so. Uh, since 1998, my main focus has been as CEO and founder of eSearch Talent Solutions. That's where most in the HR community know me from. And we provide corporate talent management consulting, as well as corporate and individual career coaching services. We believe better livelihoods mean better lives. I'm also a partner with Patina Executive Search, and that's after merging my search practice in with Patina Executive Search last year. And I'm an advisory board member with the Fahey Group, which is a private holding company. And along the way, I've become certified in human capital strategy and earned a certificate in talent optimization. On the volunteer front, I'm currently treasurer for the Ohio Sherm State Council and past president for Cleveland Sherm, and I know you're involved with Cleveland Sherm as well, John. In my career, I actually started in accounting with Parker Hannafin here in Northeast Ohio, and then got an MBA from the Wharton School. And after working in finance for advanced micro devices in Silicon Valley and Frito-Lay in Texas, I came back to Cleveland to start my career in recruiting. Uh, then I joined the largest recruiting firm in the world, Management Recruiters International, as their Eastern US Director of Company Operations. After 18 months with MRI, the company went through a major reorganization and I decided I'd had enough of corporate recruiting and uh, went out on my own with eSearch. In my career, I've conducted over 10,000 career coaching conversations, helped thousands of people land great roles, and advised a wide range of organizations on talent management. Congratulations, I know you have a ton more to, uh, 
to do ahead of you and uh, thank you for your support to the uh, HR community, specifically within Ohio SHRM and uh, within your, um, your responsibilities in the past with Cleveland SHRM, uh, as well as uh, a variety of other volunteer um, um, activities that you make. I know I know a lot of that stuff is not, uh, you don't get enough of a pat on the back for that. And uh, you certainly don't get paid enough for the efforts mm -hmm. that, that, that all of us make in, in supporting those organizations. And without people like you, uh, they wouldn't exist as they do today. So thank you. Well, thank you. And same to you. So speaking of uh, human resources, how would you describe the purpose of human resources, Randy? What what would you put as the, the few key components of, of HR? Well, it's, it's interesting in that CEOs, when asked what their most valuable asset is, will most likely talk about their people. And I agree. And studies have also shown with financial statements of publicly held companies that for most, over half of their costs are people costs. And so the purpose of HR is to oversee an organization's most valuable asset and largest expenditure. And unlike physical or financial assets, those people walk out the door every day. And so HR has a delicate balance of attracting, engaging, developing, and retaining people. And I know, I know based upon the work you've done in the latter part of your career with eSearch and some of the other services that you guys have innovated, I know you've been intimately involved in that aspect of it, of attracting and, and developing and retaining. So certainly bring a unique level perspective. Not only you do that for your own firm, right? Of the people that work for you, but then you also get to see how companies do it, I would assume really well, uh, which maybe we can talk about a little bit. And maybe those companies that don't do it well at all, uh, which maybe we can leave the names out for that, but uh, you probably learn a lot from both of those experiences, my guess. That, that's true. I. Uh... Uh, you know, many times uh, in consulting, our clients are coming to us because they have uh, challenges that they want help with, and, and those range across the board. But in dealing with people, uh, you know, people are people. No two people are the same, and that's a strength, and it's also a challenge. Organizations um, are used to dealing with other issues by using uniform policies and procedures, and that often doesn't work with people. Yeah, right, for sure. So what have you enjoyed the most about working in human resources over your career, Randy? Well, as hokey as this may sound, I really enjoy the challenge of helping organizations and people reach their goals. And I'm fortunate to be able to do that on a daily basis, but, I think about that even more now with the rate of change that's going on in the world and in HR, especially this year, we can all use more help. So the issues our employees face in their lives become our issues in HR. Uh, so for example, COVID-19 has caused health and job security concerns unlike any we've faced before and it'll have a permanent impact on the way we work. Black, Live Ma Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements have revealed the tremendous toll to discrimination and hatred have had on people's lives and exposed an, un un <laughs> an ugly 
underbelly of society and many workplaces that we need to address. So the importance and urgency of the work we do in HR has never been greater. And that, that raises the profile for HR. You know, over the years we've heard many people complain about wanting a seat at the table for HR. And I think we have that seat at the table now. And in fact, if for any organization that hasn't already elevated HR to a C-suite status, I encourage them to do so right away. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that having uh, spoken to uh, several people throughout this journey, the, the proverbial seat at the table is a very common topic, Randy, which I know you probably hear all too often, uh, whether it be ones that have it uh, or, or ones that maybe want it and, and don't have it. And something we've talked about quite a bit in the past is just the ability to, to add the right amount of value uh, to understand what the business organization needs, and then ultimately earning your earning the chance to continue to have your seat at the table, right? Because if you continue to add value, then you'll continue to support and provide that level of expertise. If for some reason, um, you know, executive leadership or your board or your president or owner uh, don't see that, then, then that can change pretty quickly. That's right. Yeah. I, uh, I like the way you describe your your uh, goal with your book, and that uh, you know it's about having HR people be business people first, uh, who happen to be in HR. And in my executive search work, when I talk with individuals who are either candidates for roles or are interested in moving into the C-suite, that's one of the pieces of advice I give them: is think about how you're going to help answer organization-wide questions. It'll be assumed that you're an expert in your silo, your function, but in order to earn that seat and keep that seat, you have to be able to contribute at the overall level in making business decisions. Yeah, no doubt. I know, and, and I'll get, that kind of leads me into my next question. And you mentioned that you're, you're kind of, you use the word corny answer. I don't think it is at all because it's yours and what's worked for you in your career. So uh, understanding and helping people achieve their goals. How, how do you define or describe that success and what you do? Like, are you able to consistently measure that for placements that you made or clients that you have? I, I know quantifying SMART goals is a, is a critically as, a critical aspect to achieving them. So I'm just curious as to, how, how do you describe the success in what you do? Uh, that's a great question. And you're right, SMART goals are important. Uh, for me, the way I measure success is directly tied to the success of my clients. And so we use feedback from our clients. That's the best measure, quantitative and qualitative feedback. I, I take all of that seriously. And if you're like me, when you have a client says, well done, uh, that's a great step in the right direction. But it's also more than that for me. It's more than a successful placement or a successful project. I'm looking to help create value over the long run. So every day in my business and in HR, we touch people's lives. And my goal is to have a positive impact with each of those touch points. Sure. Yeah, no, big, big, yeah. Value, impact, the quality of the things that you do, the expertise you bring, I think that makes a huge, huge difference. So I know you you mentioned kind of the 
the the unique premise of the book is people that practice business or people that are business people that just so happen to practice HRs is kind of my motivation and driver. And it is it is broadly understanding a wide range of things within your business, your industry, your company, not just the lane that you may have in HR or compensation or benefits that might be. So I'm curious if there's any characteristics you've seen in the successful, the many successful HR professionals you work with over the years. What, what stood out to you, Randy? Well, there, there are really four characteristics that I think are consistent with the people I've seen who are, are highly successful in their careers and especially in HR. And the first is, um, I'll call it authentic empathy. And one way to describe that I hear quite a bit is listening to understand as opposed to listening to respond. And you know it when you're talking with someone as they're listening to you and at the questions they uh, ask you and the feedback they give you, even the way they look at you, you can tell the ones who are being authentic, or, or at least I think I can. Um, so that's the first thing. The second characteristic is that excellent business acumen. You know, it's, it's more than being really good at your function, it's understanding the business. So when I talk with a really impressive HR person, often I forget they're an HR. The way they're talking about their organization, their products, their services, their clients and customers, what they accomplish, that all tells me that they're really good at the business in addition to being in HR. A third one, and by the way, these next two, the last two, are ones that CEOs tell me are important for any leadership role. And the first of those is leadership ability. You know, the ability to lead people and it's, it's, you know, management versus leading. You know, management is telling, leading is helping others be successful. And then finally, uh, professional agility. You know, the ability to pivot. Uh, the, the rate of change in the world, in business, in our organizations is insane and getting greater. So I, I look at that, and when I talk with a hiring manager, for example, who says, Randy, here are the 10 things we need in the background of an individual. If they don't mention leadership and agility, then I bring it up. Because many times uh, people are focused on skills and abilities that five years from now won't even be important. So if you're looking for a long-term employee, wouldn't it be important to find someone who recognizes change can help with that change and help move your organization forward. So I, I got a little on my uh, soapbox there. Sorry about that. But those are the, no, yeah. the four characteristics I look for. Yeah, stay on that soapbox. That's great, Randy. And I, I agree. And we've never, at least in my professional career in 25 years, never been forced more to be professionally agile. I know uh, we, we were, as an organization, you know, da daily huddles on what was going on with COVID, even, even more so multiple, it felt like hourly things were changing and we're still living in this state of flux to where, you know, you retool your, your plan, you know, one or two or three times in the course of a year, uh, maybe doing that, you know, two or three times in the course of a month uh, or a quarter uh, seemed extreme, but 
think things were always changing and people had to be nimble. If not, you were, you're, you're in a di much more difficult place. Um, and rightfully so, right? It's been unique, challenging times. And I, I get it if people haven't been able to adjust because it, it's scary, it's scary what's going on for sure. Yeah. So, so speaking of, I know we all don't like COVID, right? COVID, uh, no, no, no one, no one is a fan of COVID. It's, it's flipped our world upside down. Um, curious, um, as as I've done this and have had the talk of HR like a boss in the community of HR, one of the most unique things that's happened is I'll ask this question of the of the group: What? Why do people not like human resources? And I'm amazed at the number of hands that go up in a presentation and how much participation we get. Uh, even there's a slide that I have that says I hate HR and it, it was very easy for me to find. So I'm just curious in your experience for maybe executives that you've spoken with that aren't in HR or other other um, you know client contacts, what, what would you say um, brings them to the I don't like HR statement? Uh, good question. And uh, as I think about what I'm going to tell you, I'm not sure it's unique to HR. There are some unique aspects of, of why people dislike HR. But actually, I think people complain about a person or a function when they're, that person who's complaining, when their unique expectations are not met. So in HR, meeting the expectations of everyone is impossible. So we're, we're going to get complaints about HR. But Overall, as I think about what people have complained about uh, over the years, a lot of it has to do with sticking to the rules and, and, and in short saying no. Whenever I go to HR, they say no. And I don't care what their reason is, whether it's a legal or policy reason. I just want to do something and they say no. And, uh, and then the other is they're not meeting my needs. And sometimes those needs aren't reasonable. Uh, sometimes they are and, and aren't being met. And so all of this leads me to believe that as HR professionals, it's important for us to communicate openly, be transparent, and uh, try to help people understand if their needs aren't being met, why? Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that because one of the main concepts that, that we're trying to get across in, in this journey is it's unique. A, a business, an organization, a nonprofit, whatever, is, is a living, breathing entity organiz, or, organism in and of itself. And a lot of employees, and even myself, it took me a long time to realize that, that uh, you know, e-search is, is, is an entity. It's, it's, it's a thing that exists, right? It may yes. not be a human being, or I know you have an office. Maybe that's what physically it feels like. Uh, but in, I, I feel like at times there's a disconnect between the needs of the business and the needs of the employee, right? And to your point, HR is stuck in the middle of that of trying to serve both. Uh, in, in my opinion, when you can get those two things aligned and everybody understands why they're doing what they're doing, if, if they do it, then the business succeeds, they succeed. Um, that becomes a beautiful thing. And that that's a, that's a foundational premise of the book is HR's influence over such a large, wide range of people is greater than really any other function within a business and their ability to kind of get people to understand how the business works at the same time, what their role is within the organization and how, how can they get the most out of what they're doing? So. 
Boy, you hit it on the nail, the nail in the head with that, John. I, I think that I think about. I've dealt with a lot of CFOs over the years, and CFOs have a fiduciary responsibility. It's called where they have responsibility to help the organization succeed, but they also have sometimes a competing obligation to shareholders to make sure that you know everything's being done on the up and up and, and the company's not wasting money. And you're right, while that fiduciary responsibility for CFOs is you know, widely known, I think it's less understood how broad that similar responsibility is for HR professionals to the company and to the employees. And they often have competing objectives. For sure. Yeah, no, and then the, and and you feel sometimes feel stuck. And I think to your point, trying to overserve overserve is the wrong word to use. Serve a wide range of people, right? And and with different ideas and responsibilities, it's impossible to do. You just you just simply can't do it. Um, so you have to find kind of that guidepost. That's why like culture and values are so important that we're maintaining kind of steadiness. And and to that point, Randy. One of the questions I want to ask, which I think you're probably the, the, the best expert to do, right, for the executive search work that you've done and the talent management work that you're doing, um, is, is this idea of finding the right talent within your organization first that fits, right? And you mentioned, you know, skills and abilities change every five years, hmm. but finding the right people that, that fit within the culture is, is paramountly important. Is there a particular question that, that you've seen clients ask or that you ask that helps them ensure that the that particular person is going to be the right fit for for an organization? I know it's probably unfair. One question can't do it unless uh, uh, maybe you don't want to give away that se that secret question to the entire world or at least the, the five or ten people who are watching. So. <laughs> well, I uh, I don't know if it's a secret. But, uh, I'm happy to share, um, and and I've. This, my answer to this question has evolved over the years. You know, I'm, I'm like a lot of new HR recruiters, I think, uh, in that when early on in my career, I was focused like a laser beam on finding those 10 to 15 listed items on the job description as they would match the resume. And I think, the majority of applicant tracking systems and, and matching systems do just that. Let me find the people who have the most words that line up with the job description on their resume. But over the years, especially as I've recognized how executives hire and the people who become successful within those organizations, going back to my interest in making a long-term contribution, now what I look for is passion. And to uncover that passion, I like to ask uh, candidates about a time when they felt most excited about the work they were doing and a time when they made the biggest contribution. In an ideal world, the answers to those two questions are the same and line up well with the focus of the role and the purpose of the organization. That, that doesn't always happen. And so then it's a matter of, you know, peeling the onion, asking more questions, 
trying to get to the root of what this person's all about, because I think that passion, when lined up correctly, turns into engagement. You know, I just read how uh, the most recent Gallup poll showed that engagement went from an all-time high in March of 38% down to as low as it's been since Gallup started doing their surveys in the year 2000. And so if you can, every person you add to your organization brings that passion and automatically is engaged, you're going to beat the odds. Yeah, no, how profound. I hadn't seen that and appreciate you sharing. I think uh, fear fear plays a huge part in that, right? What's 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 changed since March till now? There's a significant mm. uh, fear uh, that, that all of us have experienced. But I, I do, I think about what you just shared and, and as I would answer that question, when you do something that you're passionate about, it doesn't necessarily feel like work. Right. And when you're do, doing something that you love or passionate about, you'll, you'll, I, I wouldn't say you'll do it for free, but <laughs> you'll, you'll do, you'll do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't do for things you don't like. Right. Right. Like it's, it's, there, there's a lot, a lot to that. So that's pretty cool. So that's a good segue into uh, maybe you, you may have met a time or two an HR professional who wasn't necessarily passionate about their career in human resources. Was, was there anything in particular that stood out to you um, about the disconnect between their skills, abilities, their passions, and what HR asked them to do every day? Um, you, you know, I, there is. I've, I've talked with many unhappy HR professionals over the years. And some of it is specific to the role they have and, and keeping with the theme of engagement. Um, you know, studies have shown there are four major sources of disengagement and it's, it, and I'll put it in, in terms we can all relate to. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my coworkers or, and I hate my company. And so for people in HR who un, are unhappy with their HR role, as I dig into why is that, it's, I, I don't know if I've ever talked with someone in HR who says, I really don't like working with people, right? I mean, you wouldn't go into HR if that were the case. And so it often comes down to the kinds of things that all employees complain about. And that is the stuff that's missing. You know, you have a, a lack of recognition or a lack of clear direction a lack of decision-making authority. I think that's, that's one that always grinded on me was, I have responsibility, but not the authority to get the job done. You're in a tough spot. And then finally, a lack of career upside. I find that when those items aren't lacking, then compensation rarely comes up. You know, someone might think, you know, I, I wish I were making, I guess everyone thinks that, I wish I were making more, but, if I'm really happy in my job, I can put up with it. It's when one of these or more is missing that then compensation always becomes another issue. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, you get, you get the alignment with the company, the manager, your coworkers, the job, right? There's a lot of, and it's, again, you get the closest thing to, to, to working in a job you love to do. Right. And then as a result of that, you become passionate, you, you contribute more, you learn more, you're inquisitive, you're engaged, uh, all those things that you mentioned. So, 
So, Randy, I just have two more questions, and uh, one, one of them is going to take you back in time, maybe just a, a year or two ago. You're such a young guy uh, <laughs> as it relates to if, if, if you could, right, this magical moment in this uh, HR Like a Boss video chat with John Bernadovich, I'm taking you back to the, the first time you started to practice in, in the field of human resources. And if you could give yourself some advice then, knowing what you know now, what would that be? Uh, that, that's a great question, and and I, uh, you know, when when I really started in this field uh, as a recruiter, it was like a sales role, and uh, I'd never been in sales before, so I took a lot of training. And one of my favorite motivational authors and speakers at the time is the late Zig Ziglar, and one of his sayings. He had a ton of them that I love, but one of the sayings that stuck with me is. You can get everything you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And so if I could go back in time and, and give myself some advice that I think would make a positive impact, I'd tell myself to stay focused on helping others. And I try to do that today. Hmm. No, I, I would say for sure, you, you know, knowing you well and knowing uh, your reputation and what people say behind your back when you're not looking, um, <laughs> they're all good things. They're all wonderful things because you, you've, you've made a concerted effort to uh, give back and help each other, even, even your time you spent with me today. So I, I truly do appreciate uh, you as a human being and a friend. And um, on that note, because this is the HR Like a Boss video chat with Randy Sansel and John Bernadovich. I'm curious, as we, as we end our time together, how would you describe someone that does HR Like a Boss, Randy? I, I'm going to answer that question, but first, let me say that I love this topic. And I love the way you're helping so many HR professionals with their own careers and with their organizations with this topic. It's a great way to give back, and I want to thank you for letting me be involved. Uh, but to answer your question, I, I think people who do HR like a boss are those who can help move an organization forward and at the same time, like you discussed before, improve the lives of employees. I think that description fits really well for some of the best HR people I know. Hmm. Simple, direct, and well said. Randy, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I wish you nothing but uh, continued success in your business and personal ventures. And I sincerely hope to see you soon and uh, shake your hand, give you a hug. And uh, <laughs> I will keep you posted on my journey as we uh, pursue and continue uh, uh, writing the HR Like a Boss book. So thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you, John, and good luck to you with the book and everything else. It's been, uh, it's been a fun ride.